we're trying to create people who are a force to be reckoned with, who don't, who don't just know what they believe, but they know why they believe it. And they can defend it articulately, passionately, and without backing down. Not being a jerk, but certainly um, not letting down. Their truth and their core political belief is their religion. And they are so adamant and passionate and emotional about it because that is their God with a little G. God really pressed on his heart. You need to go back to the girl that you had that abortion with and you need to apologize to her and you need to apologize to her face to face. Fetus phobic is someone who is afraid of the natural consequences of heterosexual sex and is terrified of a preborn child, of a little baby. And I like to say that Roe v. Wade is the story or the court case everyone has heard of, but nobody knows anything about. Welcome, as I said, Dr. Alveda King to Feed Ace podcast. Dr. King, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jerry. And hello, everyone. Uh, Governor Walker, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Or great to be with you. I should say it's a pleasure for me to be here. I think Rush is doing that, too. And he's doing it at a time of COVID the crisis. And he is, he's basically saying, look, I may be dying, but I'm not dead. Father Pavone, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jerry. It's great to be with you and uh, with our viewers. But they have an objective. The objective is more tax money, more control, and a promotion of a political ideology. It's a pro-socialist, secular worldview Okay, and welcome to another edition of Feed Ace Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I am your host, and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. Uh, you, as, if you're a listener of my program, you're aware that we we address and, and take a very, very strong pro-life stance. Uh, that's not the only thing this show is about, um, but it is a main thing, and it, and it is because life and the life issue is the most important issue that we face on top of or aside from healthcare, education, and taxes, and all these things. And I've also been unafraid on this show to bring up and talk about some of the toughest areas of the life issue. I've had a number of people on who have who were conceived in rape, who were raped, and had a child. Uh, and those instances are the cases that the pro-abortion Planned Parenthood always brings up, right? They always bring up the exceptions. Well, what about this? What about that? And we are not going to be afraid to address those issues and talk about them um, and let the left frame the argument because all life matters regardless of the situation. So my guest today is Cassandra Baber. Cassandra is the founder of Momdacity. She is a national pro-life speaker. She uh, is a mom who conceived her son in rape, and she is a future lawyer. Cassandra, welcome. Thank you. Please pray for me on that future lawyer. We're, we're working at it. Well, we need good lawyers, so that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. So, so I gave a, a quick background into you know, the quick, literally one-line essence of, of who you are. Um, but um, I did listen to your story uh, on some other um, programs that you were on and things like that. Uh, tell us about your story of conceiving your son in rape. Sure. So um, I was in my freshman year of college and I came from a relatively small town in upstate New York. Um, I, I would say that in some ways I may have been a little bit naive about the world. 
Um, and um, I went out to a club one night and I was, per I was uh, perpetrated by what I now under what I now understand was a pedophile. Um, I didn't understand what was really happening then. Um, and he essentially um, groomed me and confused me, brought me outside into an alley. And um, I basically didn't have a choice about what happened, except that I knew if I didn't do what he asked that I, I felt like I was in danger. So um, he was very clever. And um, I speak a lot about that part of my story because it's, it's not what people typically think about as rape. You know, he didn't throw me to the ground. He wasn't holding me down. And most rapes aren't like that. So I think it's really important that we understand that there are all levels. And I didn't speak about the details or really him in any way until my son was 17. Um, the, the various people who I went to when I found out I was pregnant several times asked me if I was raped and I didn't say anything. I just kept silent. Um, but anyway, I, I, I found out I was pregnant five weeks later and um, I was terrified obviously, but um, I grew up in a, in a Catholic home in a very pro-life home. And I get emotional when I talk about it because I'm so grateful for that. And I grew up with a devotion to the Blessed Mother. I feel like if that was not in my life, I would not have my son right now because I had everyone around me telling me in 1995 that I wasn't good enough to raise a baby. I went to a very wealthy private school and I wasn't wealthy and the friends around me were wealthy and they told me I was too young, I was too smart, I was too poor, I had too much ahead of me, I was very smart, I was very athletic, I was, you know, very talented and I had all these hopes and dreams. Anyway, I had my child and I went back to New York, I was going to school in Florida at the time, I went back to New York after finishing that year in Florida. Um, and I continued doing wonderful things in life while raising my son. And um, he brought so much joy into my life and to my parents' lives and to everyone around him. It wasn't easy to raise a child alone, but it wasn't any, I don't believe it was any harder than it would be now. Um, I just was very resourceful and I recognized that I had a very determined personality. I was very smart. I continued my education. I sought resources. I um, was very intent on not accepting any donations from the government. Um, so I, I worked hard and um, I prayed a lot. So uh, my son today is a 25 year old software engineer who is living in Manhattan and he's brilliant. Literally, he's brilliant. Um, he is the light and love of my life. But my purpose in sharing my story, and I just started sharing my story within the last couple of years, I had a lot of healing to do, um, is to uh, really make it clear that the, the pro-abortion advocates or the abortion advocates don't have a right to my story. They don't have a right to my trauma. And I don't give them permission to use my trauma to uh, justify the murder of boys and girls like my, my son. Um, and no one in that movement has ever asked me or anyone I know who has conceived in rape about what they think about abortion. So it's interesting that you, you, you talk about being 18 years old and, you know, 
I think you said you were a young 18 or you were, you know, didn't know what was going on, but you also at a, at a time and an occurrence in your life when something happened that is extremely traumatic, you made a fairly mature decision. I would, I mean, I feel like I can say this on this. I will say this on this show because I know you have a Christian and Catholic audiences. Um, it was only through the grace of God and, and, and specifically the blessed mother. I turned to her immediately. Um, I, she is my best friend. It is because of her and my family's devotion to her. I believe that I was given the strength. And when I was in eighth grade, I did a, um, I did a speech. I did a debate on abortion. And when I was 12, I remember seeing the silent scream. My grandmother was involved in birthright. It was birthright at the time now crisis pregnancy center. And I remember seeing that video and, and learning what abortion was. And I was horrified. God planted that in me very early on. So I certainly was covered with the Holy Spirit. And I want everyone to understand how important that is, how important it is to cover your children with the Holy Spirit. They're going to make mistakes. They're going, I, I did some crazy things, you know, in my teen years, I did some crazy things in my twenties and thirties, but there, there is a light with our faith, with the sacraments, with the rosary. So that decision was based on what God had planted before me and through prayer and through what was surrounding me with prayer. Mm -hmm. No, that that's, that's great. So what kind of support you, you alluded to it a little bit. Um, did you get, so you said you were at a, an elite expensive school in which a lot of people were there that were from wealthy families. Um, what kind of support you, you said that people were telling you to have an abortion. Did you have anybody anywhere outside of your family? Um, and, and please talk about your family that, that, that helped you or supported you in having that. And how did they react when you made the decision to have your son? It's really interesting when I think back on it, because I think I was in shock. Most of, I think I was still in like a, a PTSD kind of mode when I took this pregnancy test. I, I didn't know how to react. I was literally just numb. I'm, I'm, I'm actually grateful for that because everything that anyone said, I didn't hear like nothing. It was just all noise, you know? And I knew a hundred percent that I, I was excited to be a mom. I think that's the part that is so sad for me is that I really was happy that I was going to be a mom and I didn't get to enjoy that. And I didn't get to celebrate that. That's sad for me. And so whenever I do these, these talks and when I go out and I speak, I encourage people to celebrate life, no matter what, to sell, to give that woman celebration, give her the opportunity to have that moment. Um, I didn't, I never had that. Um, my parent, I did not, I did not have anyone that supported me except for my family, except for my parents. Um, my mom was really, really, really upset. Um, and again, I didn't tell them anything except I'm pregnant. I didn't tell them anything until 17 years later, they asked about this father and I said, never, they were never allowed to ask me. I still think it's so, I, I didn't even remember saying it until they told me 17 years later when I told them this is what really happened. They're like, yeah, we kind of figured. 
because of the way that you reacted when we asked. And, um, you know, I have a father who is just a great, strong um, man who my parents were divorced, but my both of my parents were very supportive and loving. My father became like a father to my son and I could not have asked for a better male role model. But I want to make it really clear that I had already made a decision that I was going to have this child. I already knew very well that this was a human being growing inside me and I had a responsibility. And that is really what I think is most important for us to do as Christians and Catholics is, and pro-lifers is to make sure that we are speaking very clearly about what life is, when it begins, and what our responsibility is as mothers and a community. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you you have written about that I've seen that you you have written about is is some of the statistics in regards to uh, the issue of rape and abortion specifically put out there by Planned Parenthood and the like, uh, because, and, and the reason I think it's so key to know this information, which I'll ask you to, to share with us is because the rape issue is, is, is always the sort of like go to, well, what about rape? Right. And, and I get it. I understand it, but that's what they're, that's what they're always, that's their kind of their final, well, what about rape? So tell us about some of these stats, because I was very surprised by this as well. Um, and uh, please share. Yeah. So I'm a former journalist. So facts are really important to me. You know, I have a good, strong story, but if I didn't have facts to back it up, I'd be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so I'm always searching for new information. Um, there have only been two studies done of women who have conceived through rape. One was done in 1979, I believe, um, by Sandra Maycorn, yes, and David Rarden in 2000. Um, I talk about this study a lot, and I'm so thankful God brought this to my attention. Um, both these studies both had the same results, and they were 20 years apart. So I think that's interesting as well. Our moral compass really hasn't changed. We, we know that abortion is wrong and women know when they become pregnant, what's happening. Um, so in that study, 88% of the women who conceived through rape, those who chose the chose abortion, they regretted their choice. Um, there was only one woman in that study who had positive feelings. The rest were not sure. Um, but what's more important, and I think this is what angers me to such a level of like, for lack of a better way of saying that is um, 73% of the women they studied who became pregnant through rape, 73% chose life. Think about that. That's a huge majority. And then it's like 20, 26%, something like that chose, chose abortion. And if you think about that, and then you think about what Planned Parenthood is saying that we need abortion for rape victims. It's just not true. If you look at those facts, it's not true. And of the women who did abort, almost all of them, or was it 88% of them said they wouldn't recommend, all all of the women studied, 93% said they would not recommend an abortion. That's including the women who chose life and the women who did not. Um, And I, I really prefer to say the women who killed their children, the women who did not, because I think we need to be real about those words. I don't think we need to cover up what's happening. This is happening. Women are murdering their children. They are hiring hitmen to murder their children. Um, and at this stage in technology, at this stage in information, there's no way you cannot know that. I'm willing to um, 
give, I'm willing to give some compassion and empathy to those women who, for whatever reason, can't understand that that's, that that's the case. But we have to stop sugarcoating things. This is murder. This is the destruction of a human life. It doesn't matter how this child was conceived. doesn't matter if the mother is uncomfortable with having the child. We cannot kill human beings in order to make someone comfortable. We just can't. Yeah. And, you know, so what I love about, again, about this is, is that we're, we're tackling the toughest issue when it comes to this. Right. But what I think is important for everyone to know is that, is that the left likes to give us these, first of all, these rare cases because rape conception through rape is, is relative is very rare. It happens, but it's, it's rare, but they like to take the worst sort of situation because, because the reason I was interested in knowing about, you know, your classmates who come, who are wealthy, who come from wealthy families, it reminds me of, you know, Barack Obama, who said that if he had heard his daughter was pregnant, he'd support her and whatever she decided to do, which he was saying she would get an abortion. Now, here you had a powerful man, him and his wife, highly educated lawyers, going to be rich the rest of their lives, super powerful. Well, don't don't act like these people are they would choose life. But what about poor people or rape? You know, which one who, who in this world that didn't have a parent or themselves born at a time where their family wasn't wealthy? Well, I think about what that says to people. Think about what that says to my son. His life wasn't valuable. He's my child. Stop trying to kill rape victims' children because a a maniacal, evil maniac did something to hurt me. I refuse to believe that Planned Parenthood cares about rape victims until and or when they start voting for and pushing for killing rapists. I have never once heard them talk about what they're doing to stop rapists. They put girls and women back into the hands of of abusers and rapists. I am so disgusted and sick of hearing this narrative about rape. It is a lie. It is emotionally manipulative. They don't care about rape victims. They care about abortion. They care about having as many women as possible having abortions so that they can make as much money as possible off of women and their dead children. And then off of those dead children's body parts. I refuse to sit back and let that narrative continue. It's an emotionally manipulative argument. One, less than 1% of women have abortion, have abortions who are, who are raped have abortions. That's less than 1% of abortions. It's a, it's a null and void topic as far as I'm concerned. And if you do want to bring it up, then you need to talk to me and other women like me who do not want our children killed, period. Rape victims don't want their children killed. They don't want that added trauma, that added violence. We just went through this horrible, awful experience. My son brought me light and life through a very dark time in such a way that I was motivated to finish school with a 4.0 at Syracuse University. I was motivated to do AmeriCorps. I had an incredible, happy life with a beautiful, happy child. Now, tell me what would have happened to me. I'll tell you what what happened to me when I really did have to face the rape. It was when my son left for college and I lost my mind. I had no longer this child to take care of. And all of a sudden I was faced with all of this. 
that's when I had to face all of it. And I did it and it was fine and I'm happy, but it wasn't him. That was the problem. It wasn't my son. It was a rapist who put me in a traumatic situation and did something traumatic that rape, rape and having a child are, are completely separate issues. We talked a little bit before we, uh, we, we went on the air here. Um, you, you were 18 years old. You didn't come from money. You had a, you know, potential, very successful life ahead of you. Uh, excellent school. Um, recently there was this Val high school Val Victorian who gave a speech in Texas and who, um, brought up the fact that, uh, the heartbeat bill in Texas is going to stop her from living the life and take her rights and, and not let her have hopes and dreams and things like that. And I'm, I'm going to play here, uh, just a couple, uh, bits from, from that to let people hear. I think a lot of people have, it's gone viral. And then, and then ask you to comment on it as far as a young woman who says, I essentially need to be able to kill my child. If I want to achieve success, I want to go to college, finish college, have a career and so on and so forth. And I need that. So let's listen right here. Recently, the heartbeat bill was passed in Texas. Starting in September, there will be a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, regardless of whether the pregnancy was a result of rape or incest. Six weeks. That's all women get. And so before they realize, most of them don't realize that they're pregnant by six weeks. So before they have a chance to decide if they are emotionally, physically, and financially stable enough to carry out a full-term pregnancy, before they have the chance to decide if they can take on the responsibility of bringing another human being into the world, that decision is made for them by a stranger. A decision that will affect the rest of their lives is made by a stranger. I have dreams and hopes and ambitions. Every girl graduating today does. And we have spent our entire lives working towards our future. And without our input and without our consent, our control over that future has been stripped away from us. I am terrified that if my contraceptives fail, I am terrified that if I am raped, then my hopes and aspirations and dreams and efforts for my future will no longer matter. So, so give me your response to that, Cassandra. So first of all, I'm really sad. I'm sad for this woman who believes that she can't achieve while being a mother. And that's the reason I founded Momdacity because I believe in the power of women. I believe in the power of motherhood. And there's nothing a mother can't achieve that any other woman can. And to be presented in the United States of America, that your only option is to kill your child. And that's the only way you can be successful. Well, first of all, it's a lie because I'm living proof of it. Secondly, where is the feminism in that? How is that empowering women? I have to kill my child in order to be successful? Has anybody really thought about that idea? That poor girl, whoever made her believe that about herself and about the beautiful, miraculous role of motherhood should, should be the one condemned. 
I'm giving her a little credence until she becomes an adult, <laughs> until she really understands what this is. And she has the opportunity. This is a lie again of the abortion industry because they are profit makers. They are a business. Think the pro-life move is, makes no money. We have nothing to lose. We have nothing to gain. The Plans Parenthood and abortion industry has billions of dollars to lose. This is why they have had to market and message this narrative that women deserve to choose whether they're going to kill their babies or not. They don't say baby. They don't say kill. They have euphemisms. If you can't say what it is, there's something wrong. This girl and men, most girls like her because most of our abortions happen in this 20 to 30 age range, they believe they can't achieve if they are mothers. How did we come to a place in our society where mothers have no rights, mothers have no ability to succeed? And we only talk about the father in rape. I never ever hear that about a father's right or a father's responsibility or a father's involvement, except when it comes to me and my rape. So tell me why we have, we are experiencing a world that's completely, completely ignoring science, completely ignoring the fact that it takes a man and a woman to create a unique living human being. And at the end of the day, this is a violation of human rights. It's a genocide. It's an infanticide. This is a unique human being that is separate from the mother and separate from the father. This unique human being cannot be created without the father. I refuse to believe that these people don't know that. They know it. They're making billions of dollars off of little girls like this. No, there's no question they know it. And, and if they don't, uh, then then there's something wrong. Uh, but I, I agree with you completely. They do know it. They do know it's wrong, but they will never admit it. Um, as, as a, as a, an organization, individuals certainly go from being pro-abortion to pro-life working for Planned Parenthood to, right. We, we, we know so many of them. Um, so, so that that's, I, I agree. I think that they're never going to admit to it. There's too much money involved. Same with the politicians, right. They're, they're just never going to admit it. Um, but it, but yeah, but I, I love hearing, I love when you say you got a 4.0 at Syracuse, you're, you were a journalist, you, you succeeded in life. You're now going to, uh, going to be starting law school here. Um, this, this narrative that anyone, man or woman, whoever it has to kill their child in order to have the best potential life is, is quite frankly, like you said, it's insulting to women. What, what do you think? Women can't do things. They can't do th more than once, more than one thing at once. One of the things that um, people always have this like really weird, funny reaction to is when I say that I brought my son to school with me. They're like, what? How did you do that? I'm like, what do you mean? How did I do it? I wrapped him up, put him in a stroller and I wheeled him in the classroom. And if he was disruptive, I left. He never was because he was like this amazing, perfect specimen. Um, I am obviously a little bit, uh, I, I, I have some uh, extra, what, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, You're very proud. <laughs> I'm very proud. I'm very proud of this child. Um, but I am, I'm so I, I, it makes me laugh, but also I'm so perplexed when I hear people say, well, oh my gosh, how could you do that? What, well, what do you mean? It was my education. I was paying for it. I'm still paying for it. I'll be paying for it till I die. I mean, just, I, I don't, I guess like 
I, God put me in this position. He allowed this to happen. He knew my personality. He knew I wasn't going to let anybody tell me. I was told over and over and over again, I couldn't raise this child. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. Imagine going through every day being told I couldn't do something because I was a mother. I am so tired of that. And I refuse to continue to hear that. Not only could I not do it because I was a mother, but because I was smart and I was talented. What? It's just completely nonsensical. And I'm a very logical human being. <laughs> like, I just don't, I didn't, I didn't fall for that. And I, at the time I was, I was young, but I knew that it would work out. I knew I would figure it out. Even if my parents said, get out of here, we never want to talk to you again, I'd figure it out. Um, not by killing my child. I, I, it's not fair to women that that is being held up as the best choice for them. And I'm really confused how a pro-choice man or woman can stand up and say they're pro-choice, but then not support the choice of a mother having her baby. I, I don't know. These pro-choices weren't around when I had my baby. All those girls that told me to kill my baby, when I was having my baby, they were gone. And they, they certainly had enough money to, where they could uh, have made the donation. I didn't need it, right? I figured it out. We live in the United States of America. We have lots and lots of opportunity. We have lots of programs. We have lots of support. Listen, if I could do it, I, anyone can do it. Um, I also was very, um, I didn't let any men come into my life for a long time. And I think that is probably one of the things that made it easier for me as I was going forward. Um, so, because my son was my priority. So that is, we, we need to, as Catholics and Christians, continuing to make family priority, motherhood a celebration, and abortion in any circumstance is the murder of a child and it's never okay. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, it's so funny that the, the left, you know, you often wonder and say, why aren't people who are conservative like us, why aren't there more pro-abortionists? And there certainly are plenty of uh, Christian pro-choicers uh, and, and the like, but, you know, but the left, it's like, they don't ever want any obstacle in their life and they're willing to do anything to, to rid themselves of that. Like, don't put anything in, in my way, right? It, it, don't put student loans in my way, pay for them. You pay for them, right? They, they want every, exactly. Nobody wants accountability or anything. This young girl, instead of saying, Hey, listen, I'm a smart person. If something challenging happens to me, whatever it might be, it may not be a child. It could be something else. Cause what, what is she going to expect a perfect world when she does have a kid? Is she going to what drown her two year, two kids when she loses her job and her husband leaves her or something, something bad happens. That is so well said. I never thought about, about it like that. You're absolutely right. We have a generation that can't handle any difficulty. They're not as resilient as they used to be. You're absolutely right. I never thought about it like that. It's brilliantly said, very insightful. We are raising these crybabies and I, I'm not okay with that. I, you know, I, I was pretty tough on my son in terms of what I was willing to accept in our household and what I was not. And thankfully he was pretty easy to parent. But one of I, my friends, I mean, they didn't have children. I had friends my age, you know, 
they would be like, you're so mean. You're so mean. I'm like, oh no, I'm not mean. I'm getting him ready for this world. Like I know what's ahead for him and he's got to be ready. So I, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I didn't think about it like that. And you're absolutely right. What is going to happen to this young girl when she faces a real difficulty in her life? She's going to go murder someone. Right. Right. Well, it's all of the issues. You know, when I was born, my parents were poor. If every parent out there who was, who had a baby when they were poor throughout history killed them, we, we would have no one on the planet because everybody was at some point, you know, so. Find that to be the most egregious, the, the most egregious argument because of poverty or being poor. So poor people don't have a right to life. I, I mean, please, that is, it's so disgusting to me. Again, we live in the United States of America. So what? We're poor. People are poor. We, we figure it out. We live in America. We can work our way up to uh, and out of poverty. We don't have to kill people to do so. Absolutely. So where can people find Momdacity? Where, where, help tell my listeners where they can find yeah. you. So um, we are still in our infancy stages and uh, working out exactly how we're going to continue. But um, you can find me on Facebook, Momdacity, M-O-M-D-A-C-I-T-Y. And the idea behind Momdacity is that we're empowering women to um, have the audacity to say yes to motherhood. That's the idea. Um, or on Instagram at momdacity underscore pro-life. Um, I have a blog that I've been neglecting lately, but I promise I'll get back to it soon. Um, Medium.momdacity.com. Uh, My son's working on a website, so that will be coming soon as well. Right now I'm really focused on getting out there and speaking because this is a topic that um, is not spoken enough about. And I, the research shows that Catholics and Christians um, are, are pro-life except for rape and incest. And that breaks my heart. So um, please reach out to me so that I can come and speak to your organization, especially young women. That's very, that's very much my target. Um, and I'm really happy to uh, build any workshops with you, um, former marketing exec. So I'm good at those kinds of things too, but I would love your prayers if nothing else. Absolutely. And you've done all that um, in spite of uh, having your son, right? So yeah. apparently, apparently the left narrative that you can't achieve anything if you have a kid. Uh, um, <laughs> so Cassandra Baber, uh, also known as Momdacity, um, thank you so much for being here. This was a great conversation. I uh, really enjoyed our time. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jerry. I really appreciate being here. Oh, my pleasure. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of Feed Ace Podcast with Cassandra Baber, uh, founder of Momdacity. Uh, really great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Please listen to all my podcasts on uh, all of the different podcast apps that are out there, as well as YouTube and as well as uh, writeamericamedia.com, 7 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday for some of the video podcasts. Uh, so again, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.